Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Welcome to another episode, and I am so excited to have on the show today, once again, my beloved friend, fellow teacher, visionary, author of the wonderful book, Source Dialogues, Gary Springfield. In this talk today, it's really a continuation of going much deeper on the subject of the perfection of the soul and the star tetrahedron, the Christ matrix. We cover many questions that were sent in by you guys, the wonderful listeners that you are, and curious listeners that you are, as well as some questions that I had myself personally. And we cover such subjects as the jewel of our nature, uh, how we block the jewel of our nature and perceiving the light within, how to observe all creation with equanimity, the unconscious feeling body, and really the significance of that as it relates to your healing. Going deeper, of course, on the subject of the Christ matrix and the next evolution here on earth, the opportunity for all of humanity, if you so choose it. We cover these topics and really so much more deep, deep, things that you can consider in service to your growth, your upliftment, and your own individualized evolution of soul. So as always, I hope you enjoy it and pass it on to somebody else who could use it in their life. I'm just so glad that we're doing this again because it's such a great talk and time with you last time. And so many listeners came forward and wrote in and had kind of follow-up questions to our talk. So I've got a few of those here on the platter of um, discussion. I guess we should just start off with one of those. Is our greatest block ignorance of the illusion of the light that is present? Yes, and that happens because the world we live in is a programmed world. And so we already are pure light. The soul is perfect. It's uh, more of a fifth to sixth dimensional frequency of pure light. Its mission is to mirror itself within time, space, within form. And in order to do that, it has to take pieces of itself and then drop it down into time, space. Mother and father then give it a body. It's the perfection of the soul like a jewel, but then the programming of mother, father, culture, racial archetype, DNA within heritage, all those factors are then like mud that then cover that jewel over. And so the purity of the soul begins to feel that something's wrong with it. And that's the child. And that then creates one thing that then blocks us from perceiving the light, which is emotion. Emotion is the biggest bugaboo for spiritual people on the planet. They, with their uh, very illuminated minds, they know the truth, they find the truth, they observe it, they love it, but they don't really bring it down below the diaphragm 
which is where the emotional unconscious body exists and where all the programming occurred from racial archetype, mother, father, culture, DNA, all of that. It's literally piled upon the child, as well as the love. That's the good karma, the blessings that we receive from our culture, our society. But the mission is then to be able to feel all that emotion, which is simply darkness. Hmm. It's the counterclockwise spiral that I was just talking about that is the light that's been hidden by someone else's judgment, criticism, or dislike, which then creates a counterclockwise spiral, live spell backwards, E-V-I-L, mm -hmm. around the child. It then believes something's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. It then creates fear, fear that it's not going to survive. It then creates sadness and then grief, and then shame, and then it can then go to frustration and anger, which are really great emotions, because if we can get to anger, which is a red energy, we can come up one more vibration to the red of passion and take action and begin to clear our space. And so anger can be a really great emotion, you see, if we use it properly. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people that I know that work in the spiritual arts or on the spiritual path, they have an issue with anger, like mm -hmm. anger is bad, or I shouldn't be feeling anger, or right. has this, anger has this evil connotation where I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm angry, then that suggests that I'm in separation and, oh, woe is me, I'm in separation. Right. And of course, the most interesting thing about what you just spoke is whatever we're feeling out there, we're only feeling it because it's inside of us. Mm. And so if you're disliking anger or hatred or anything that's going on in the world that pushes your buttons or causes you an emotional reaction, it's the Capitol riots, it's Ukraine, it's uh, Rwanda, it's uh, the shootings any emotion that you're picking up that is negative emotion it's yours right we have great compassion for what's going on and we're sending love and light and total equanimity as buddha said and so we're equal with everything because only light or source or god exists within it it's just covering itself over with a counterclockwise spiral of emotion which is then anger or hatred or dislike. And it's simply those beings trying to come up to another place of action and change their reality. Right. And if we dislike hatred and say, no, you can't be that way, then we're throwing judgment again upon them and criticism, which then piles more you know, counterclockwise spirals upon them, which then creates more pain and suffering in the world. Mm. If we're even trying to change the world, we're part of the problem. That's pretty deep. It's very deep. Because we can observe, if we truly observe and feel the light within us, not simply know it. Yes. Because we talk about the emotional body can truly feel the totality of love down to the first chakra. And I love that which I am. In that love, you're then seeing light existing with everything. And so there's no judgment, there's no dislike, there's no criticism. They're simply observing an equanimity that's out of balance. I'm going to bring more compassion and angelic light to it 
so that not trying to change it, but because I'm, again, emanating that light from me, it's going beneath their darkness. It's not judging it. Just like I told you the story of uh, when I was up in Oregon, I wasn't trying to get rid of that entity. I was simply sending light to it. And non-resistance, because I wasn't judging it, it slipped through the darkness and found what was inside something that wasn't loved. It then felt love because that's source within all creation. It then began to vibrate that within its source. It then in its own recognition realized, I too am God. I too am source. Mm. So it wasn't trying to change something. It was simply um, acknowledging what everything already is, which is source. Speaking of entities, demons, manipulative beings, lower mm -hmm. level beings, beings that are locked in the, the darkness, right? are they to you just that? Are they light beings that have gone in such the opposite direction that they are covered in their mud that the light can't get through? Are, it, are they light beings that have become dark beings? How would you describe an entity or a demon? Well, like I said, when I was up in Oregon and met that demon, it was simply an illusion of someone who felt so worthless and alone. They packed darkness around him to yeah. protect them from other things. But I think in the broader universe, there are dark beings. And as I understand it, they are seeking to control uh, parts of the universe through power. And so they steal power. And that's the... Uh, what they say, the fight between the light and the dark, the war in the heavens. Mm -hmm. that there are those who are coming from the place of love, and there are other um, beings, probably the greys and others, who simply thrive on power. And the more power they have, they think that they can subvert the plan of Source God. Mm. That's not possible, but it does create then that we can then begin um, to be attached to, we can begin to focus upon that. And it can then create a vibrational, almost uh, synchronicity with those dark beings who can then feed off of us, mm -hmm. which then would create more darkness within. So being in judgment would create an opening for these beings to feed off of us? Yes. Yeah. If you are the golden light, the sunlight of the one source that can live both in the masculine and the feminine, the light, the dark, and equalness, equanimity, then nothing of darkness can come to you. That's important to, to hear because there can be so much fear in going into even talking about this and people hearing this and going, well, I don't want to take on any right. negativity. I don't want to be an opening for an entity or a demon or a formless being that's sure. disconnected, disincarnate. What do I do? And it's right. like, well, need not fear, just be in the light, be in your loving. And once again, you said the operative word, they fear that. Yeah. But the only reason they can fear that is because there is still fear within because they don't love themselves from childhood. Right. That's the emotion. So whatever you're feeling out there, it's always just a mere a signpost that the child within the unconscious feeling body is still feeling alone and separate. Hmm. And that's, again, the bugaboo of most spiritual people. They have very little light from the diaphragm down. I have a question for you. So as a biofield healer, I saw someone recently, and 
I'm usually working to clear that inner child. I'm working to clear moments in the field where trauma has set in as a calcification, as a perturbation, as a stuckness. And um, mm-hmm. that's right. It was, it was very interesting. This one person, there was very little to clear. And I know the difference when I get someone where the energy body doesn't want to show its cards. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to flip them over and right. the, you'll get information from the back body or the back chakras where they're kind of like hiding their cards behind their back. Right. And again, nothing. And this person hasn't really had any trauma. And I always say trauma can be your parents telling you you, can't t- try, you didn't tie your shoes right when you were five. And it goes in as a pattern, as a judgment, as a perhaps I'm never going to be enoughness (laughs) sort of pattern. It does, for sure. It it doesn't have to be a murder or a rape or a death or a poverty or anything uh, of the obvious nature that would be considered trauma. Right. Um, And so my question is, So we did other processes with this person, which was helpful, but I didn't really find anything to clear, which is a very rare, rare thing for me. Mm -hmm. I I, I honestly can't remember that that ever happening. Can souls come in without anything to clear that are not necessarily bodhisattvas or avatutes or avatars? humans that are just regular, ordinary beings? It's, it's possible. Um, I've never seen it, and I've done hundreds upon hundreds of uh, aura readings and right. sessions. What I have seen, though, is that someone has so much white light within them that their aura and their spinal column is pretty crystalline. Mm. But I can also see... If I'm, you know, very observant that deep within the crystalline structure, there are subtleties of gray veins that it's almost impossible to see, Yeah, which is the crystal wants to break apart because it's not really balanced in equanimity and self-love. Yeah. It's, it's knowing, it's impeccability, it's preciseness, it's clarity, but it's not really love. See, that's the key. That's so great that you mentioned that because I should clarify, it's not that this person had nothing to clear. There was no deep trauma that came up as a big calcification. But what was very interesting, and not as a judgment, but as an observation, there was no sense of spiritual, spiritual spirituality or right. they didn't pray, they didn't do meditation, they didn't have any sort of connection or desire to really connect to their larger self. Um, And I found that really, really interesting because- And was there really a profound, profound feeling of love just breathing from them? You see, that would be the key. No, there wasn't. Kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Kindness, sweetness, but not uh, a lot of well what i did notice was a lot of mental energy and when i was calling in the light i had to really focus to not be sort of pulled Mm. off my center because i could feel her mental energy trying to even figure out just calling in the light bravo beautiful recognition because that's what 
the mind can do. The mind can hold the energy field so precise and unmoving and impeccable. The mind creates to be simply a crystalline structure of perceived clarity. And that's the feeling that comes from them. But it's an illusion that the mind is creating rather than the balancing of golden sunlight and love. Mm, beautiful, Gary. Love yeah. Why the counterclockwise spiral? We see these patterns in polarity. You've talked a lot about this. Can you break that down? Why is it counterclockwise? What's the significance of that? When um, energy flows from out of source, it flows in a clockwise spiral up and out. And so clockwise is L-I-V-E, living in love within the vibration of source God. Mm -hmm. And then judgment or criticism then imposes upon it a counterclockwise spiral of E-V-I-L, darkness, backwardness. And so it's no longer living in a clockwise spiral of loving with God, it becomes the illusion of separation. Is this planet set up to be an illusory world in service to our growth and upliftment? Is it by design? No, not at all. Um, of course, the whole cosmos, the whole universe is but a dream within the mind of source, God, I am that you are, we are the great dreamer, we, uh, from our higher selves, we dreamed materiality. It's our joy to get into it and to feel what is the ways that we can architect it, to taste it, to touch it, to feel it, to expand the possibilities of knowing what God, us, can be within the worlds of form. And so the ultimate is joy, but in that learning experience, young worlds go through lots of pain and suffering and violence and uh, wanting and needing and desiring as they're looking at their power issues, their emotional issues. And so we're a, a very young planet in that sense. Hmm. In this world, in this realm, I would consider one of the laws, the law of the word, what we say, um, goes as a man thinketh you become. So there's great power in I am followed by whatever that may be. Yes. And so is it like an oxymoron to realize one is soul? Is it really, there's nothing to really realize just to get to it? It's a revelation, a revealing, an uncovering of the um, ignorance, the emotion that we have agreed to put on to learn from. And so it's information. It gives the soul information about how to live within worlds of form and then master them so that we can then assist others as they are then young souls coming to their evolution and awakening. And it's an ongoing, continuous thing throughout the universe. Um, you know, you and probably some of your, um, you know, known associates, as well as many people I know, we've had many incarnations in other systems. And so we're here. We don't necessarily uh, know it, but some of us have found some of that information that we probably hail from other dimensions. And we're here 
and coming into the ignorant life wave, but at the same time knowing there's one purpose, which is to wake up and then to be part of the assistance as the earth is going through this great transition from the great darkness of separation, Pisces, mm -hmm. into the Aquarian age of feminine joy and creativity. It looks horrendous right now. It will probably be looking a little bit more horrendous, but it's all part of you destroy a rose and another rose comes forth. Mm, beautiful. That, that was my next question. Where do you think we are at right now, October 5th, 2022, in this paradigm of collapsing manipulation and control for the evolution of humanity? You answered my own question. And well, again, we, we are, though, at a critical nexus that um, Dr. Zach Bush, I don't know if you're familiar with his information, brilliant. Mm -hmm. He talks about, and another belief I have, that we've had five mass extinctions before, where 85 to 90% of life was wiped out. But Mother Earth always comes back with more beauty and grace and diversity. So uh, he's very excited about the possibilities. So we could be at that crux, at that particular place of possibilities. Um, I never worry about that or have any fear about that because I know as I vibrate peace and love and joy and harmony that that will be where I will be placed. And that's my teaching and your teaching to bring as many people who would like to move into that revelation that they create the reality by their vibration and observe the destructuring, the falling away as it's happening ever more rapidly without any judgment but with equanimity it's just the old crystal being broken so that a new crystallization of light and love could happen so it's exciting but uh, looks horrendous at this particular time that said do you feel everyone is ascending or some will break off and Well, let me let me reframe that question. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in this verbiage that's sort of circling around the ascension process or the ascension event that's taking place right now? Do you believe there is an ascension event currently taking place on this planet? Yes, and it's an ascension of the great being we are, the soul, into form. It's not ascending up and out, it's ascending in and through to be able to vibrate the fifth, sixth dimensional Christed being we are within the world of form and create the heaven on earth experience for the first time on the planet. Mm. Yeah, you very say exciting. very exciting. I love this. You say we are not moving up into fourth mm. and fifth dimensional energy, which no, we're you hear a lot. Down. We are divine beings already existing on that level, and we are seeking to ground and mirror that wisdom into our physical form to co-create heaven on earth. And this is the evolutionary expansion, which I think is so important because people are thinking, oh, we're moving into fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, density, ninth. Our brains can't even capacitate what that means. And right. it's this idea that we're moving up and out somewhere. Right. right. And we're and not. I, I, I've read uh, probably within the last, though, I don't know, two or three weeks, probably maybe 20, 30 individuals and just very brilliant, really within the healing arts, a lot of uh, PhDs, 
a really renowned psychologist, and all of them a tremendous light from about the diaphragm up. Mm. And all of them still looking for the light, still looking for source, lots of white light, but not much light below the diaphragm. Because? Still wanting out rather than bringing it in and through. Wow. So what Lack of self-love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the negative emotions are held in the lower psychic centers. Yes. First chakra, fear, survival. Yeah. Second chakra, emotion, grief, sadness, abandonment. Third chakra, powerlessness, anger, frustration, hatred. Would you say there's no karma to clear in... Uh, there's varying schools that will say different things. Let's start with this one. There's no karma to clear in the fifth and sixth chakra of the body. Would you agree with that? Not true. No. Yeah. Because uh, I read a woman a day before yesterday and um, many incarnations within Greece where she was within the temples of Athena. And so she was um, studying music and sound vibration and uh, intuition to do you know readings from the goddess but this incarnation she wanted to make sure that she was grounded and living uh, dynamically within form and so her father was quite negative and belittled her because she wasn't really an empowered person she had always lived in temples and mm -hmm. so now she was back to be the temple but she had to become self-empowered mm -hmm. so father was a negative being that took away her power so to speak and in back of her fifth chakra, there was a hand and it was a dark blue hand. And it said, little girls are to be seen and not heard. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, I mean, that makes sense to me. I've seen plenty of stuff I've had to clear in the fifth and sixth chakras all the way up to the, you know, higher chakras, 108th chakra. Right. This uh, same, same person had a cork in her crown chakra, literally a cork. The mm. petals were nicely open, and so she was looking for the light and uh, wanting source, wanting spirit. But the cork was her religious programming from the Catholic school that she's uh, not good enough to have the light. And so it was important that she reach up. And I told her, just reach up and grab the cork and pull it out and say, no, that's your bullshit. Throw it back to them. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful. I love that. But at the same time, you see, I told her that if she's going to do that, she has to be able to bring the light down in and through and ground because there's so much light that she's wanted to be in the temple. She could leave the body. Mm -hmm. And so it was a safety mechanism to keep her here. Mm. Th that brings me to a subject of being embodied, moving from trauma to embodiment, which I think we're all essentially doing on this planet. 100%. Yeah. And this idea that I think many people, especially those feeling very connected spiritually, but are not grounded, they have one foot in and one foot out, and therefore they're not fully embodied. What can they do to get out of the sort of in-between state and get themselves more embodied? If someone says, I don't feel grounded, and I should add, most people I see aren't grounded. Why do you think right. that is? Why do you think most people are not embodied? 
our spiritual traditions up until now, and it's been an important part of our spiritual traditions, both from India, as well as the Buddhist traditions, as well as the Christians. It was find source, find God. And we were at the same time, over the last uh, 3,000 years, we have been downloading wisdom, knowledge from source. And as it then has been coming vibrationally down the mind, and uh, individuals pick it up and write it, and they speak it, and they then codify it. But now, with the coming of this new age, it's time to now bring it into the body and be it. So it's also a time of great change in that, you see. Um, it's also very difficult for individuals to realize that it's not about uh, being spiritual, it's about being uh, self-loved. You automatically then are spiritual because love is the nature of source. It's the nature of the universe. And so once you find the emotion within those lower chakras, you go through the darkness and find within every emotion and every calcification within the body, a child that wasn't loved. And then you stand beside it as the great soul because you've learned to meditate and bring golden light down in and through you stand beside the child and you empower it. And so now it feels itself back there in time space when that incident happened. And this great golden being has showed up and said, no, I am your father and I am your mother and I will validate and love you. And in that moment of self-love from literally almost being back there in time space, the emotion disappears out of the body. And so the child then experiences revelation that is lovable. Its divine mother, father has shown up. And that can only happen if someone is willing to work with golden light, because only golden light brings source in and through the body. White light takes us up and out. It's knowledge, it's knowing, it's spiritual illumination, but it doesn't interface into physical form. It has to be stepped down to the golden frequency, the Christ, Buddha, Krishna form. And as it can flow completely in and through the body, it is only golden light that can embrace the darkness emotion, not judge it or criticize it, simply slip through it and find what wasn't loved. It is the soul that is now loving the child back there in time space. It feels vibrationally acknowledged and loved. It then lets go of the emotion and darkness is dispelled. Hmm. The body heals itself. The physical structure begins to vibrate at a new frequency. Asthma falls away. Diseases fall away. Um, health issues, colon problems, feminine problems, they all disappear because the vibration is now love. If love is not there, there's dis-ease in the body at some level. Is the frequency of the golden light love frequency? It sounds it's like both that. love and wisdom. Okay. Love wisdom. Okay. What do you say to someone listening to this episode and they feel hopeful enough, I would imagine, because they're listening to this episode, but they're mm -hmm. in a very dark space place in their life where they don't feel that they can access the light, the golden light, the light mm -hmm. period. What would you say to them to help them to clear the heaviness, the darkness from them? 
when I was working on the darkness, and it was a extremely difficult childhood. And so from the diaphragm down, I had little or no light in my body. I was uh, quite, even though I was a, so to speak, good man, I was very angry, had a lot of self-worth issues, even some deep hatred inside, an abject worthlessness. And now I was bringing light in, and it got to the diaphragm, and it was what I call my bowling ball of darkness. Hmm. And so I knew that I had to learn to love this child. I knew it was about the emotional childlike part of me that felt worthless, that that was his childhood. And I thought to myself, well, I didn't understand or get love from mother or father. It wasn't grandmother. What is it? And as I was sitting there in that moment, I thought to myself, you know, my dog, my golden retriever dog, I love my dog. And so I would get the feeling of love from my pooch. And I would drop it down on this darkness and it would begin to soften. It took some time, but as it began to soften in love, because I wasn't disliking it or judging it or wanting to get rid of it, I was simply allowing the love to settle on it. I then found this little boy inside. Hmm. And that was the way that I taught myself to heal and become whole, loving the darkness. Loving the darkness, loving, loving it all. It's just illusion of separation. Right. Right. But then it gave me mastery over the light and the dark, which is golden light. You say this self-revelation that's taking place, or I would say probably is always taking place as an opportunity here, is an important component of the Earth's Christing, because enlightened humans will become the symbolic neurons of memory and higher intelligence that will co-create with mother earth with gaia and the heaven on earth experience can you elaborate on that that which is above is spirit we call it the father the father of pure light that which is the form is mother mother earth and so it's the polar opposites of the father the mother and one lives symbolically in darkness and one symbolically in light but they want to be married and unified together and the only way that that can happen, if there is something that puts on the form, which is what we do, we take Mother Earth, physical form, and then we have architected it over eons of development from one celled amoeba to be an instrument that is so alive that about 200,000 years ago, when the right-left brain was finally beginning to be synchronized, the soul for the first time could begin to enter into form. And so source or God was now entering into and becoming one with mother. And so mm -hmm. that then began the real evolution of then bringing light into earth. And as we're doing that, we are quickening the vibration of mother earth. At her core, there is also a vibration that she is awakening within her and it is awakened. And are we awakening? It begins to create a fusion of consciousness and then we, as the awakened, enlightened beings within form, we can then bring even more of that, which is the directive of that, which we would call the Father's Spirit. We can then bring it in as the mind brain of mother and then gift her with the next wave of her evolution that even increases her path of evolution. I think I just got a transmission. <laughs> Good. <laughs> This whole room's just turning into like golden, cottony, white 
gold light. <laughs> Thank you, Gary Springfield. Well, maybe that will take me back as a good segue into our last talk in your sweet book, Source Dialogues, about the star tetrahedron, the Christ mm -hmm. matrix. And in my doctoral studies, I was quoting you a little bit. <laughs> and, Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. My pleasure. Uh, it was my honor. And I started looking more deeply at the star tetrahedron as I've been working with it in my meditation. And it's been quite amazing. And I incorporated it as a um, sacred geometry in my healing work with people. And then I looked at it biblically. Mm -hmm. And I started finding that there's there's some scholars out there that uh, have talked about this as well. Their names are failing me right now. But that the star tetrahedron could be symbolic of the four faces of God in the Bible. The first facet being the king or Matthew the second being the servant or the gospel of Mark, the third being man or the gospel of Luke, and the fourth being the savior or the gospel of John. What do you think about that? Not much. <laughs> it sounds like it's interesting, you know, and it's um, a mind that looks at something that, um, they may be placing their ideas upon mm. um, in a way that they can maybe understand more about the star tetrahedron or the four faces of God. But um, you see, there's it's a multifaceted uh, form, the star tetrahedron. So what to you are the four faces of God or facets of God, if at all? Um, I would say above, below, uh, right and left, which would be masculine and feminine, light and dark. Okay. And as they are then finally, again, the right side of your aura is masculine. So there's one face. The left side is feminine. That's the next face. Above you is father sky, so to speak, God, the light. Below you is mother, the unconscious darkness. But as you love all of them in equalness, it then brings all their energies back together. It meets within the heart chakra. That then creates the jewel in the lotus, the star tetrahedron. You now live within form as the jewel of living light. And as the star tetrahedron is formulated, the jewel in the lotus then opens a sacred doorway within the middle of the star tetrahedron back into the void where spirit then arises forth. And as spirit arises forth, when you are now the awakened masculine, the focusing of mind, the divine feminine of imagination and feeling, you focus the light, you imagine and feel, and then you breathe spirit into it. It then has life, it's creation. That's the Trinity. Hmm. When was your first experience of getting this sort of download into your consciousness about the star tetrahedron? What happened? When I was working on um, Source Book, um, I was uh, working with Sandra, and uh, I asked her if the kundalini at the base of the spine was the next level of my awakening, because I felt 
you know, pretty balanced within my form, uh, loving myself, loving the child, you know, quite awakened, so to speak. But she said, no, uh, the next level of evolution is to open the heart. And she began through source, breathe through the back of the heart hmm. in the Ujjayi breath. And as you're doing Ujjayi breath, which is, Mm-hmm. and you're feeling the back of the heart open, you are then breathing in spirit. And up till that point of time, she said, Thor said, you've been working with your soul to evolve, but now you're moving beyond soul evolution into simply bringing spirit in. And so it's a much more rapid and dynamic way of evolution. And were you breathing into the back of the heart because it had something to do with your receiving? Or is it just where you need yes, breathing. Yes, breathing in source symbolically. It was a way for the mind to imagine. Important key. Okay. Whatever you can imagine, as Einstein said, imagination is a preview of the future. Mm. <laughs> so I began to imagine that there's a door in the back of my heart. And as I'm breathing in, spirit is now coming in. And as I stayed with that, I began to feel this breath, this movement of something that was now flowing in and through. And then over the next uh, year, I began to see and feel that there is actually a light form being created. And I knew about the jewel in the lotus, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And so the information about the jewel in the lotus from India, which I had studied uh, extensively and work in ashrams uh, in meditation and then actually began to see the formation of this light conscious form around me and now I realized that the open doorway was within hmm. the star tetrahedron was actually creating a vortex which brought me to the information from um, the lady who does the law of attraction oh Esther Hicks yes she talked about the vortex Right. And I realized that the star tetrahedron was turning. It was creating a vortex. And she said that it's out of the vortex that you create. Yes. So I don't think she necessarily knew that it was the star tetrahedron, but it's all kind of coming together. And so I began to see that out of this vortex, this is where the opening of spirit was now arising forth. And as it arose and then touched the facets of this rapidly spinning star, it then refracted, reflected, and remembered it as light into form, hmm. hologram. So, Is the star tetrahedron, you mentioned this in your book, that it's, it is a spinning form, the star yes. tetrahedron. Yes. And it's coming down counterclockwise into us? Well, no, well, it's coming out of us. I just want to get this clear. Yeah, it's actually, it's forming from inside out. See, we think it's something that is right. from up above. Yes. But really, the Taurus field, which yeah. is the field of mind that has been honing and refining itself through uh, many incarnations, is where the soul really resides within the Taurus field. It's where the higher self is. It's 12 feet above, 35 to 40 feet around. It emanates from out of the heart. And so that's one spiral going up and another spiral going down, which then creates the movement of the Taurus field of energy. And as you then 
begin in spiritual awaken to refine the mind and refine your heart and feeling nature, it then becomes you knowing that it's now emanating literally the star tetrahedron from inside out. And not only is it turning as it moves up in a clockwise spiral and down in a counterclockwise spiral, it's like an electron. An electron is moving in hyperspeed movement, up, down, in and out, around, every way you can imagine in hyperspeed which then creates the electron being a fuzzy mass of thought. It gives it the form of an electron that is it has matter. Is it moving faster than the speed of light? Mm, probably so, yes. Okay. But what? one doesn't need to know that or really understand it. It's just allowing, more importantly, knowing that the feeling of the breath, spirit from arising is you know, coming forth from within. Mm -hmm. It's touching the facets of the star tetrahedron, which creates golden liquid light that is then moving through the cells and the tissues of the body and reforming it. It's then flowing out into the world and simply being sunlight for the world, for the earth, you see. Are we meant, as we do these practices and we refine our, our beings, our nature, our essence, returning to that, that golden light, embodied, crystalline body, are we meant to evolve into living 800, 900 years on this planet? Or is that just a yes. story? Yes. At the same time, when you master the frequency of the star tetrahedron, you can be then in form or out of form as you choose. Mm. Because the physical form is only held in a molecular construct by the great being you are in order to purpose itself. And when you then, if you, uh, there's a passage in the book that says, as you finally realize that you are the mind that's holding the body in a molecular construct, you can let the molecular construct go and reform yourself anywhere you would like within creation. There's no longer here nor there. There's no longer anywhere. It's in everywhere. That leads me to probably the next question, which would be, what to you then is heaven, birth, death? Is it a continuum? Is heaven a place? Is it a, what, what is it? It's a forever becoming of the love and the joy and the goodness of creation. I mean, I'm, I mean, I just, I'm so in love with mother earth. Mm. dolphins and sunsets and oceans and food being a Taurus. I love the taste of food and sensuality. I mean, what a heaven. Yeah. We as beings created it in order to bring such joy to the senses, all five of them. Mm. It's just a cornucopia of bliss. So this is one heaven on experience and it's only going to, of course, be more outrageous as we continue to evolve. So it's, always evolving, growing. Uh, we call it dying, but it's just dissolution and then uh, re-evolving. Dying's an illusion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you believe there are many realms of heaven? And it doesn't really matter because <laughs> it's something to kind of pontificate and consider. But since we're having this, this conversation, do you have anything to comment on that as far as the realms of heaven? Well, I think there are um, many planes where uh, beings dwell. 
and they can dwell within a heaven on earth experience here, mm -hmm. which is individuals like you and I and others are uh, living and moving into quite beautifully. Uh, there's another one where more angelic beings reside and they then um, have never really taken human form, but at the same time, they are here to do that which serves humanity and brings more of source energy in and through. And then there are uh, more of the astral realms where people reside in um, kind of the illusion of a plane of light, but it's not really necessarily real. So hmm. yeah, there's many, many different planes of uh, consciousness and light. Was Jesus the holder or the pattern to hold the energy of the Christ matrix and bring it on this planet? Or did the Christ matrix exist before Christ, before Jesus Christ? It existed before the Christ matrix is the creation of the universe. Okay. So in the very beginning of source, the void, asking itself, what am I? And so there was simply a point of light. That point of light, which was mind, it then began to create geometric form. And then geometric form, um, the strongest was then the pyramid or the, the triangle. And mm -hmm. so two legs and one more leg. And so that was the strongest. And then from it, the flower of life, which is feminine evolved. And then at the same time, within the flower of life, there is then the star tetrahedron, as well as all of the, um, what do they call them, solids? Platonic solids. Platonic solids. Yeah, they all exist within the flower of life, you see. Mm. And so God is at first a geometric form that creates a flower of life. And then the flower of life then creates um, physical uh, organic life to then live within. But at the same time within it, it's the geometric form that is the source of consciousness. Mm. And that's the Christ matrix. I think you mentioned in our last talk that angels, archangels, or perhaps all the angels, they don't, we associate them with having faces or bodies, but actually mm -hmm. they're geometric, sacred geometric symbols. Is that accurate? They're... I think the higher um, archangelic uh, beings are um, geometries. Mm -hmm. I think that the... Um, the more notable angels that we might feel hovering around us that we might uh, um, become aware of are globes of light. And within those globes of light, I have not been able to yet see if there's geometry inside. There may well be. But angels, just as when you really look at, um, when I look at a human being, of course, I see the physical body, but around them is their light. It's who they really are. Yes. That is holding the body in a molecular construct. So everything in creation is a globe of light. It just happens to have a particular form in that it gives it a way to, um, we are our bipedal forms that are carrying light around. <laughs> we're, say that again? We're bipedal? Bipedal. We have two legs and so we're oh, two. Oh, okay. Yes. That makes sense. Right. That's true. Yeah. We're I a bipedal that. form carrying carrying light around. You have such a beautiful bipedal form, Gary. <laughs> Go look in a mirror, kiddo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I blush. I blush. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> it well, was so funny. 
Oh, it's all just a hoot, evolution and life and spirituality. It's just so beautiful. You just can't take it so seriously. And we yet we do. Oh, yes. It's because one hasn't learned how to love themselves yet. And so they still think they have to change something. It'd be different. That's why I was talking to someone the other day about the Dalai Lama. And uh, I went to see him at Harvard. And the uh, um, president was up there pontificating and giving this great speech. And the, the Dalai Lama forgot that he left his microphone on. And so he sneezed. And this auditorium of several thousand people, it just echoed through the whole auditorium. Everyone just started breaking out laughing, laughing, laughing. The whole energy changed. The pontificating <laughs> president stopped. And we got on with the real, <laughs> the real joy of the of the gathering. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. I, oh, well, nothing like seeing someone's true authenticity and, you know, at all times, in all places, on a hot mic. <laughs> right. Um, I'm gonna kind of segue a bit to talk about this, uh, something you mentioned here called the void, the, the, the womb of creation, the aspects mm -hmm. of this. and. I'd love to have you um, extrapolate on it. And you say that the void is the womb of creation, the mother, which the light, the father, illuminates in order for the sons and daughters of light, the Christ matrix, to manifest as physical reality. A lot of people think of the void as a bardo, mm -hmm. an in-between worlds or perhaps even something that's negative. I think of my mother-in-law who had a heart attack a little while back. And I asked her, I said, did you have an experience? Did you see anything? Because her heart stopped and she kind of went somewhere. And she said, I didn't go to any beautiful place in my awareness. I went to the void. And the void was this place where she said it was just a dark room, but there were two um, children that showed up, a boy and a girl, and she had two miscarriages many, 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 many years ago. And these two children, she knew in her heart, she knew in all, her whole beingness that these children were the children that she lost. And they were showing themselves what they, would have looked like in physical form if they right. were five, six, seven years old. But yet she called it the void. There's a lot of different descriptions of the void. Mm -hmm. And you have a very interesting um, teaching on what this void is. What is the void? <laughs> the void is before light ever existed. It is that which we would call spirit source before the revelation of becoming. Mm -hmm. And in that place of the void there was consciousness it didn't know that it was conscious so to speak but it knew how to so to speak dream and so it began to dream and expanding from the center of that which was the original dreamer that it was it just kept expanding and expanding 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 dreaming 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 and then finally it got to the edge of its uh, ultimate dream and began to ask itself, well, what am I? And that moment, there was light. And that was the light of source God that could now illuminate what was within the void. 
Mm. would have been dreamed for those eons and eons and eons of darkness. It was the darkness of awareness, but no light within the awareness. So imagine you're in a totally dark room and it's filled to the brim with anything you could ever imagine or believe, but because there's no light within it, you know not what is there. Right. If you have one small flashlight, a pen light, you could simply make a choice to illuminate whatever you wanted within that dark room. And the moment you illuminated it, it then came into manifestation or reality. And so that is then the light that the void said, what am I? And so the light could then shine back down into the void and begin to illuminate what had already been dreamed within the void. When we dream, mm -hmm. are we tapping into the astral realm? Are we tapping into many realms? Are we, what are we tapping into? I think many realms. I think the astral realm. I think the um, thought form realm that is hovering around the earth and what's going on around the planet. Uh, probably some of it is the soul speaking to us, the higher self. Um, I'm not really that versed on dreams, but that seems and feels like what it's what is going on. Yeah. Um, but when the void you see is illuminated, and that's um, now source can then look into the void as light. It then creates a reflection, it's just like when you hold the pen light flashlight up and you illuminate something. Yeah. So there's a reflection that's coming off of it that you can recognize, right? Right. But then as the reflection is coming off, it then goes through the star tetrahedron, which then this spinning faceted light geometry, it then refracts, reflects, and remembers the reflection into holographic form. Hmm. And so manifestation then has physicality. How would you differentiate the energy of the Merkaba to the star tetrahedron? They're the same thing, but some people uh, feel that the Merkaba, it's a vehicle for moving across time space. Mm -hmm. But in fact, um, I feel that the star tetrahedron, once it's mastered, you are time space. And so there's no place to go. You simply know yourself everywhere present. Wow, that's a great distinction. I love that. Thank you. I've never heard it put that way before. I think there's some strange teaching around the Merkaba out there that people need to be discerning about. Like what? That it's a vehicle that's going to take them somewhere, that, it's, um, the, you know, that it looks like a flying saucer. It's a way to go somewhere. Right. So... Everyone should be very discerning about spiritual truth and wisdom out there. Does it really feel truthful? Does it feel like it's resonating within my heart? Right. Or is it mind gaff law? Yeah, my teacher would always say, check it out. Whatever I say, check it out. And I, I, I carry that with me all the time. Even when I tell people things in my practice, I say, if it's true for you, you know, check it out. You are the authority. Right. The authority. You're the authority. Because... I met a um, black magician one time, and uh, he was able to 
cast a veil of white light down in front of his aura. Mm. And he could speak very interesting, manipulative mind truths. Yeah. And everyone was so enamored of and was hovering around and um, being magnetized to this dark magician because they could see the light, so to speak, but they didn't really with their hearts look through the white light covering in front and really feel what was inside that they were being manipulated and controlled and abused. Yeah, that's so, so true. It makes me think of an experience I have now as in India and I was with my spiritual teacher at the time and, and um, <laughs> I was sitting next to him and it was about 10 of us, 12 of us. And this guy, we were kind of at this sort of traveling Rishikesh circus fair. <laughs> and this guy, yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, he was on this little kind of makeshift stage. And he said, okay, okay, I want everybody to hold hands. All the, all the men and women go man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, hold hands. And I want all the women to pick a, a particular scent that you like. So, and, and call it out. And he had this wand and he said, pick out the scent. And so I think I said like rose or lavender. I can't, I can't remember what I did. Sure. But everybody picked something very distinct, distinctively different. And he said a chant, waved his wand. And he said, okay, go down to your left wrist and smell your wrist. And sure enough, what you chose there was literally physical substance of oil on my left wrist, oil that smelled oh. like of rose or whatever it was that I chose. I found, thought that was fascinating. I looked over to my teacher and I said, oh my God, like, how did he do that? And he goes, totally unfazed. And, and he said, yes, very low level, very low level. Right. Very low level <laughs> illusion. Yeah. Very low level. Yeah. Isn't that great though? Yeah. Yeah. It's all an illusion, really, until we recognize what's not. Right. It's the uh, story of the little prince. Yes. The heart sees rightly. Mm, yes. Everybody needs to read that book. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I told you the story. I In 1982, I moved to uh, Carmel, California, and I met... Dory D'Angelo, the angel lady of Carmel, yes. she was 82. Mm -hmm. And I studied with her for about a year. And just before she was passing, she said, Gary, do you want to know the secret? And I said, oh, Dory, this is why I'm on the planet. Let me know the secret. <laughs> Bring it. She said, when I do a lecture or a talk, my words reach out and keep their minds occupied as my heart reaches out and heals them. <laughs> Oh, I knew in that moment that was the secret. That's my dog. You even excited my dog on that one. That's good. Well, we're going to round this up shortly, but I have a... I have Let's a, don't. I, I <laughs> you have another couple hours, Gary? Yeah. I don't need breakfast or lunch. Or dinner. <laughs> yeah, who's, I mean, Let's who's, talk about spirit. Ah. <laughs> uh, how do you know that you're aware of soul? Of soul? Mm -hmm. It's a feeling of love and peace and joy, uh, happiness. You begin to, you know, have a kind of a blissful feeling that's flowing down in and through. But one of the most important things that people can do on the planet is really learn how to ground and 
again, as Einstein said, imagination is a preview of the future. Hmm. And all evolution from the very beginning of creation is really imagination. Um, the void imagined and dreamt, and then a source imagined it into reality. We imagine uh, what we would want to create, and we create uh, phones and computers. Um, we imagine it in the mind, and then we make it real. Yeah. Imagination is the preview to creation. And so if someone is stuck, if they begin to imagine that they're feeling like a giant oak tree, that they're grounded, the base of the spine is open, they can begin to imagine the flower center is open, and from it there's these beautiful golden ribbons of living light flowing down in and through earth. It's connecting and breathing with Mother Earth. The physical body comes from Earth, and so there's a feeling of safety and peace. One can open the crown chalk with the top of the head and begin to imagine and feel liquid golden light flowing down in and through like a cascading shower. You're standing in the shower. It's source. It's your soul, your divine self entering into and in and through you. And if you simply imagine that, if you're impeccable and dedicated, you'll find that you begin to change dynamically. Your health, your body, your consciousness, your awareness, your ever more groundedness and a feeling of love and peace grows inside. You awaken yourself by simply imagining. Hmm. If you imagine that you are you know, fearful or you imagine that you're lonely or you imagine that you're a victim, you will imagine that out and create more of it. Yes, we're and that powerful. That's that's so so well said. So to that, we really can, do you believe, manifest, we can manifest anything that we imagine? Yes, and that's the beauty of the star tetrahedron. It Again, it's the focusing of the mind. The true estate of masculine is simply focused light. The mind is a silent focused instrument is light the imagination the heart feminine imagines and feels it then holds it unified powerfully seeing feeling the imagination spirit breathes into it from the open doorway and gives it life holographically it happens the loaf and the fish happens quickly mm -hmm. rather than going down to the seashore and knowing i'm going to find a fish a couple of days from now and you get a fish how would you explain that maybe for those listening in more layman terms as far as a practice of a meditation or a spiritual exercise? To know that the soul, the golden light being you are, has all possibilities, perfection within it. And as you are bringing that liquid golden light down and letting it settle within your heart, and then you're imagining what would I like to imagine myself to feel in relationship? What would I like my imagine myself to imagine as prosperity? What would I imagine the beautiful house I live in? How would I imagine my health? And as we're simply holding that in the heart and imagining it, it has to happen. It has to happen because... That's the law. Okay. It's the so law. What the mind focuses upon and imagines it creates yes 
If you imagine and feel lonely, you then create loneliness. If you imagine and feel unhappiness, you create that. If you imagine and feel I'm a victim, you invite more victimhood. If you imagine and feel I'm worthless, you invite more abuse. What are you practicing the presence of is what I'm really Yes, that's thinking. exactly right. Yeah. Start practicing the presence of God and you might see some miracles take place. You will money back guarantee. Um, I'd also like to let all the listeners know that I have a 12 minute and a 20 minute guided meditation tape that I will gift anyone that those two meditation tapes, if they just get a hold of me. Oh, that's so great, Gary. Gary, I'll have all your information written in the show notes, but since we're here together, where can people find you? Um, my website is GarySpringfield.com. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of information and wonderful wisdom on it. Um, and then uh, gspring33 at gmail.com. So I'm quite available. I do lots of uh, or readings and private sessions. So that's also an availability. Beautiful. Gary, we're just going to keep going on the path here. Part three, part four, part five. We have to. I'm just not stopping the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. You just are like my my my, my father, spiritual geek in action. And I'm so grateful to know you. Yeah, thank you. The thing that, of course, that we vibrate so uh, in such resonant is because your your aura is such a golden vibration. You hold the Christ energy so beautiful, impeccably, and clearly, my friend. When I first heard your name, this golden frequency it just was dancing all around you. It's who you are. Thank you. Thank you. I I feel that the Christ energy is the energy of this planet. It's the energy of this planet because of my direct experience so mm -hmm. i can't judge anyone for not having that experience but it's it's my experience and thus it become has become my my belief based right. on those direct experiences so i really um connect with everything you're saying i don't fully understand it but i think that's the excitement of it is that I don't even know if we're meant to understand. We're meant to know. And there's a difference. Yes, to feel it and to be it. Yes. So to feel it, to be it. And I know, but I may not necessarily understand, but it sure is fun trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just it consumes my every moment of, uh, <laughs> you know, how can I bring more light and love and golden light within me and emanate it around me and, you know, my meditations twice a day, an hour morning and evening i you know i wouldn't miss them honing refining my field and my consciousness it's uh it's wonderful yeah it's wonderful such a blessing well gary we'll be in touch as we always are okay my friend hey guys thanks for checking out the spiritual geek out podcast if you like what you're hearing here check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.